Welcome back to the Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read a page of the Wise Man's Fear and then we talk about it. This is page 342. Shelves of books, I said. Dozens of stories. Mentions in a hundred histories. He gave me a level look. And this wealth of information irritates you. No, I said. The lack of information troubles me. There isn't any solid information about the Emir in any of these books. None, Willem said skeptically. Oh, every historian in the last 300 years talks about them, I said. They speculate on how the emir influenced the decline of the empire. Philosophers talk about the ethical ramifications of their actions. I gestured to the books. That tells me what people think about the emir. It doesn't tell me anything about the emir themselves. Willem frowned at my stack of books. Can't all be historians and philosophers. There are stories too, I said. Early on, there are stories about the great wrongs they righted. Later, you get stories about the terrible things they did. An emir in Renair kills a corrupt judge. Another in Junpui puts down a peasant uprising. A third in Melathai poisons half of the town's nobility. And that isn't solid information, Willem asked. They're soft stories, I said. Second or third hand. Three quarters of them are simply hearsay. I can't find corroborating evidence for them anywhere. Why can't I find any mention of the corrupt judge in the church records? His name should be recorded in every case he tried. What was the date of this peasant uprising? Why can't I find it mentioned in any of the other histories? It was 300 years ago, Willem said reproachfully. You can't expect all those little details to survive. I expect some of the little details to survive. You know how obsessive the Tellens are about their records, I said. We have a thousand years of court documents from a hundred different cities squirreled away down in sub two, whole rooms full. I waved my hands dismissively. But fine, let's abandon the small details. There are huge questions I can't find any answers for. When was the order Amir founded? How many Amir were there? Who paid them and how much? Where did that money come from? Where were they trained? How did they come to be part of the Talon Church? Felatimi Rice answered that, Willem said. They grew out of the tradition of the mendicant judges. I picked up a book at random and thumped it onto the table in front of him. Find me one bit of proof to support that theory. Find me one record that shows a mendicant judge being promoted into the ranks of the emir. That's the page. I'm Nick. I'm Jordana. I'm Jeremy. This feels like an action sequence to me, which is wild. Like, the fact that he's really just ranting about a book uh, feels to me like a, you know, my pulse quickens when I read this. Like, I'm as excited and as... Uh, keyed into it as as Quoth is. And this is a really big deal, you know? Like, this is the archives. This is supposed to be the seat of all knowledge, essentially, on the continent. And there's no information about the Emir at all? That's, uh, to coin a phrase, sus. Yeah. Well, to your point, Nick, sometimes you get scenes like this in certain movies where, like, the characters are researching something and they're, like, getting close to their Eureka moment or they're, like revealing like a big plot twist that you like that they've been looking for this whole time like in all the president's men where they're like researching in the library or whatever and it does definitely have that vibe and it yeah it does feel like a big deal it's like the book equivalent of revving an engine yeah yeah totally willem seems strangely obstinate like he's really he is he is me here both is nick going off on his crackpot theory and willem is me going well hold on there's a perfectly reasonable explanation for this to the point that it actually strikes me as like a little weird. Well, I'm okay. I'm about to get crackpotted here. So bear with me. All right. The The sequence of events is Quoth uh, is researching the Emir in the archives and uh, 
makes this realization and he expresses his frustration to Willem, his friend, who is also a scriv. Uh, he is employed by Master Lauren uh, to work in the archives to presumably Master Lauren's purposes. It is no secret that Lauren shows up and kicks Quoth out of the archives every single time he comes close to some information about the Chandrian or the Emir. And in the very next chapter, an unrelated master who is friendly to Quoth suggests that he take an extended leave of absence from the university. Now, I'm not suggesting there's a massive conspiracy, but perhaps Willem, who is loyal to, you know, or loyal, but who like works for Lauren, mentions this to Lauren and Lauren goes to Dal, who is another person who is becoming ever more sus the more we look into him. Uh, who was close to close to Quoth and who Quoth trusts uh, and uh, basically says, why don't you spend some time away from the archives? Because, oh, you know, your 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 head is too far up up your butt. You know, you're doing you're just go experience the world, you know, go chase the wind a little bit because you're getting too close. I mean, his head is too far up his butt, though. <laughs> You know what? That's less crackpotted than I was going to go because I'll take like that that seems possible. What if but I'll take you one step further. What if Willem is and always has been in the direct employ of Lauren and Lauren has basically said like keep an eye on Quoth, make sure he doesn't dig too deep about the Emir and let me know if he does. I thought that's what Nick was going to be going for. So I am not surprised that that is your crackpot theory because I also sort of was like, "Oh no, that's the thing." That's even sadder than I was ready to go for because it would suggest that one of Quoth's two closest friends is just there to be a plant. Like, was never really friends with him. I don't think that's in fact the case. I just think that it's a crazy theory. I think that the real tragedy would be that Willem is his friend. Like, like many undercover people, you know, happen to do. Like, you, you know, you do become friends with the person that you're actually meant to be monitoring, but you have divided loyalties. And that would be very very sad that's like be, but uh that's a whole that other story to... that i feel like rothfuss wouldn't put into this story but so i feel like willem is is not a sneaky spy man but it like it would retroactively make sense to me if that was the reveal because willem is always so like level-headed and like practical and always kind of like talking both down or talking sim down from from their wilder fancies so if it later was revealed that willem was working to a purpose that would kind of fit in with it you know what i mean it could also just be innocent it could just be that like willem mentioned it to his boss in passing like oh you know what it is strange that there's no references to facts about the emir in the archives and Will, lauren goes oh where'd you find that he's like oh i was hanging out with quoth and lauren goes oh okay and then in the staff room behind the four plate door he mentions to elk sadal uh who is of course also a secret emir yeah that seems or like- you know not even maybe he's not even a secret emir maybe lauren just mentions to elk sadal like oh hey quoth should probably take some time off like lauren can just manipulate elk sadal that way too you know yeah, that it might seems not like more be plausible it might not be emir all the way down that's yeah, it might just be thing. like, and honestly, this feels to me like less of a crackpot theory than a lot of the stuff we come up with. This seems extremely plausible yeah, now, this is now like, that I'm thinking about it. This is a pot that's mostly well put together. Maybe it's one of those, it's one of those, um, the pots that are cracked, but they're put back together with gold. Like one of those. 
Exactly. Yeah. It's all the more beautiful, all the more beautiful for the fact that it was once shattered. Um, this also fits the structure. Uh, it may, I don't know if it's a magic three exactly, but the structure has been when Quoth is in the archives and makes a discovery about the Amir, Lauren shows up to intervene immediately, like the next page. Uh, and so this actually kind of fits that structure because on the very next page, Alex Adal shows up to say to Quoth, maybe you should take some time off, buddy. Hmm. So. Hmm. I am willing to entertain this theory, although I have not entirely bought into it. When have you ever bought into a theory, Jordana? It happens on occasion. Uh, the first line of this page, I think about, uh, I read it in Cogsworth's voice uh, when he's explaining to Bell the library they have. More books than you can ever read in a lifetime. Shelves of books. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> my dog <is> not, <laughs> my dog you, does not like Cogsworth's voice <laughs> you excited the beast I'm done for this page do we have a letter maybe uh, almost certainly let me just uh, pull it up uh, we are currently streaming live we are sitting down on uh, at twitch.tv slash page of the wind with a few of our listeners uh, who are getting a behind the curtain peek. If you want to join us, you can log in to the above URL uh, every Sunday at approximately midday. And it will be great. This letter is from SNC who writes on pages 324 and 325 uh, to clarify something. Uh, hello, Pagers. The 40% commission taken by stocks is divided between the artificery and the artificer who owns the schema, such that the former gets 30% of the profit from a sale and the latter gets 10%. Thanks for the podcast and hope you're all doing well during this hopefully soon to be over difficult time. Uh, SNC is not the only person to write us about this. Uh, another writer goes into a bit more detail uh, on a, an upcoming letter. Uh, so clearly, we had forgotten this detail, but I think it would have been meat for Rothfuss to remind us because I don't think we got this reminder. I don't think we are told of, of this arrangement in this book. I think it is introduced in a previous book or at the very least, uh, it completely slipped all of our minds to the point where we all had a long conversation about it. But it is apparently set up when we are first introduced to the concept of the um, of the artificery uh, that there is a system of royalties. But I, I do think that uh, it would have been nice if Rothfuss had reminded us. It also might just be a side effect of us reading this book over many years uh, in real time, one page at a time. It might just be that we forgot that detail and a, a reader who was a sane person uh, may not have. Well, he also might remind us later on in this book, right? Quoth might say, I was earning an income from the university, blah, blah, blah. Um. 10% ending up with like a 10% of the sale price is kind of funny to me because that's what an author earns from the sale of a mass market paperback. You get 10%. Oh, I wonder if that price. detail is in there for a reason then. I I, I mean, just as like a, a, like a nudge, nudge, wink, wink. I believe you earn like 30 or 40% of the price of a hardcover, but 10% of the price of a paperback. Why would the percentage be different Hardcover or paperback? Um, I think it's because they print less hardcovers. They come out first and they're more expensive. So All right. whereas mass market paperbacks are cheaper to produce and cheaper for consumers to buy. So I guess the argument is uh, you're making 
you're going to make more money overall because more people are going to buy the paperback or the digital copy from which you also get 10%. Yeah, I think if your book is successful enough to make it to mass market paperback, then probably the volume means you're you're still making a, a decent penny. But that's probably not the case. I know that people like Cameron Hurley who have long running mass market books are still pounding away at Joe Jobs. Well, and most authors... Uh... You know, not every book gets a hardcover release and a softcover release, you know. Uh, if you're like a big name, you probably do, but not necessarily every every author on every book. Uh, yeah. Well, that, that's what I mean. Isn't my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, maybe I'm way off, is that uh, generally if you get a conventional uh, book deal, you issue a, a hardcover first, and then if it's successful, they will go through and print soft covers, and then eventually mass market if it is that kind of book. No, I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think that depending on what how well the publisher thinks your book might do, they might take you straight to like a soft cover or mass mar- market paperback release and skip the hardcover because they're like, no one's going to buy this hardcover book that's three times as expensive from a first time author on the subject of, you know, this book about uh, keeping apiaries, you know, so we're just going to release like a soft cover run. And then like, maybe if the book does really well, then they'll, you know, go back to a, you know, future printings, they might decide to do a hardcover re-release or something. Hmm. Well, hard or soft, it's what you do with it that matters. Until next time, I've been Nick. I'm always Jordana. I'm Jeremy. And we are Paige. Of... The... Wait!